Welcome to episode 142 of District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. In today's episode, I will be visiting with Bruce Tagg and Brian Lynn from Sportsman's Alliance. Sportsman's Alliance is one of the preeminent hunting organizations in the United States. We've had the guys on before, and we talk about a few subjects about the legislation coming through and being heard in the different state legislatures, what's happening federally, the big California bear bill ban that actually was pulled by the sponsor on Monday, yesterday, and kind of their feelings on the new administration, how sportsmen and women can be engaged in the process despite kind of feeling perhaps that they're powerless and so much more. This is our second interview episode of the week, and we're going to continue with some awesome guests coming forward. I hope you guys liked my interview with Lee Delange yesterday, kind of learning about renewable energy hunting, kind of misconceptions wielded about energy and much more. But here is my episode with Bruce and Brian. Let me know what you think and learn how to get involved with Sportsman's Alliance. I'm joined by Bruce Tag and Brian Lind from Sportsman's Alliance to talk about the latest in sportsmen and hunting bills all across the United States. We may dip into what is happening federally, but we'll largely concentrate on some looming battles across the states. But fellas, it's good to speak with you guys again and uh, to hear what's on your mind about uh, different legislation, pending legislation. It's great to be back. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Always love coming on here. Awesome. Well, could you guys, uh, whichever one of you want to start, want to talk about some legislation that people should be aware of? We keep hearing about this potential ban on black bear hunting. You guys have alluded to a New Mexico trapping ban. It seems like we see more and more legislation being piled on. I think when we last spoke, we said that with the turn of certain legislatures to a certain political orientation, we saw a lot of anti-hunting legislation come about. I bet it's a lot more now. Uh, So could you speak to the volume of bills that have been filed uh, that sportsmen and women should be worried about? Sure. Um, I'll start, Brian. Um, Every year, you know, um, we get inundated with bills and a lot of folks, I think, thought with the COVID things would slow down a little bit and state legislatures would would really focus on the issues in their states that really mattered. Um, But the antis, uh, you know, they're opportunists. They see this as an opportunity. Um, A lot of your committees are not having uh, normal hearings. They're being done via Zoom. A, a typical hearing, you could maybe have one or 200 people that, you know, want to participate and, and speak, and they're limiting uh, the amount, that they're limiting our voices. Um, you know, currently right now, we're, we're at the same pace we were last year. The Sportsman's Alliance alone, we've, we've uh, reviewed well over a thousand bills um, that could potentially affect hunting, fishing, and trapping all across the country at the state and federal level. Um, there are some big, uh, big pieces of legislation that you alluded to that we're uh, hyper-focused on right now. Uh, one is the black bear hunting ban in California. Um, don't need to tell you, that's your home state. I feel so sorry for you. I believe you said your mom and dad still live there. Uh, get them out of there. <laughs> get them out of there. Uh, next is going to be your dad's favorite, which is fishing, right? Your dad's a big fisherman. Is that Actually, they they left. Uh, they live here in Virginia. My dad left. Oh, Virginia. good. Mom followed. Oh no, no, we we all left. But yeah, it, it's kind of like how they've taken fishing. 
in, in yeah. a bad direction, but no, no, they're, they're, they're they got out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in California, there's a lot of talk, a lot of time in our, you know, in our world of death by a thousand cuts. Well, California is just, uh, they're dropping daisy cutters. Uh, they banned, um, you know, they banned the Bobcat's going to be, well, here's what they did last year with the, with, with the Bobcat. They stopped the season and said, we're going to do a study. And in 2025, right, Brian, it's 2025. They're going to come back and have a discussion uh, to see if they should reinstate the season. The three of us know darn well, and your listeners know, there's never going to be a season on Bobcat ever again in the state of California. They banned recreational trapping last year as well. Now they want to ban bear hunting. So, I mean, they're just, they're not even trying to be sneaky about it. They're just going ahead and ban that. So all of your listeners um, need to hammer the heck out of the folks in California, the legislature, and let them know that this is terrible. Uh, You know, the, the North American model is what, brought the black bear population up to the, uh, the conservative estimate right now of CFDW is, is 30 to 40,000. In the 80s, it was 10 to 15,000. So the North American model that we all live by, right, we preach it every day, created this abundant population of black bear in the state of California. And legislators and anti say, well, it was good for us to get the population up, but we're not going to pay attention to that now and how to, how to manage these predators and stuff like that. We're just going to shut it down. Um, it's, it's very dangerous. It sets a dangerous precedent, too. Um, we also have seen in Oregon, uh, they're trying to ban uh, beaver trapping again on federally managed land. We were able to beat that back last year, but it's reared its ugly head again um, up there. You can see the pattern here, too. Oregon, California. Now we move down to New Mexico. Um, the governor last year, uh, they banned coyote contests, predator contests. Um, and now they're trying to do an outright ban on recreational trapping as well. So any of your folks in the New Mexico area, um, they need to call in as well. Uh, the Senator there, um, he's, these folks, it's very frustrating, um, because they don't, um, you know, they, they latch onto science when it suits their argument but then they totally ignore it um, when it doesn't suit their agenda or, or the folks that are paying their campaign bills. So um, those are really three big ones right now. When you look across the rest of the nation, we still have a lot of the same things that we see every year. We've got uh, tethering restrictions, no dogs outside anytime whatsoever. Um, so, you know, a lot of these bills get repeated to New York state. So, you know, terrible state. They come out with just terrible, terrible legislation. Um, so, you know, keeps us on our toes. Now I've talked too much, Brian, you're up. <laughs> well, I think that's, uh, you know, kind of the point here is that, uh, you know, it, it ramps up right now because all the legislatures are coming back in. And so we're getting a flood and in the states where they're not well established, they're, you know, saying they just want to take one method or one mean California, they're they're not even trying anymore. Like they're not even hiding it. Like last year, talking about the bobcats, they make it seem like oh, it it, it can come back, but we're gonna we have to do these studies first, and we have to do it one thing at a time. And it, I think the bill would require the hiring of two full time employees, 
And I think at the end of the day, it costs like $2.75 million. It'll cost to bring Bobcat yeah. back. Yeah. Or you like $42,000 license sale. So now their argument can be, well, it doesn't make economic sense to bring this back. It would cost the taxpayers money. You know, meanwhile, they forget that when they banned mountain lion hunting, they also snuck in there the fact that they have to have a necropsy every time they use a depredation permit, which had no funding mechanism tied to it. So it's costing taxpayers out of the general fund for fish and game, you know, but now they're not even pretending. Now they're just flat out, let's ban bear hunting. And they use a circular argument. They argue that we keep game populations artificially high and then they say we kill too many of them. And then they use that to ban it. So, I mean, it, it makes no sense. It, you have to suspend reality and suspend logic and enable to make that make sense. Um, I mean, fine, if we keep them artificially high, we'll kill more if you want. Like, what, what's the logic here? It doesn't make sense. Um, you know, so there, it's just those blatant attacks and we're, you know, like you said, New Mexico, ban trapping. That's happening in California. It's happened here in Washington State. You know, they're going after beavers, and it's it's just piece piece and parcel to get it done, or they're just going to slap this whole thing up there across. And in Oregon, the trapping of beavers, it's following the playbook that they follow. Last year, it was a citizen's petition that got denied. Now it's going through the legislative route. When that fails, hopefully we'll be able to stop it. They'll probably sue on some grounds and try it in the courts. When that fails, you're likely to see a ballot initiative. That's just kind of how they move through the trajectory of the of the political arc there. And, and and they've got folks that support them that give them the hundreds of millions of dollars to do this all across the nation. Um, you know, I, just getting back quick to what, what Brian said about California. Last year, when they banned the recreational trapping, uh, it's funny that the news really didn't report uh, what happened afterwards. If you recall, I think I may have even pinged you on this, Gabby. Uh, the esteemed governor out there had to ask for emergency appropriations to kill all the nutria. Hmm. So you had trapping, recreational trapping and stuff to handle nutria, and they had to do some outrageous amount of money um to keep killing nutria it's, it's, it's you know it's a lot of this anymore like brian said is just blatant political kowtowing um to the loudest voices who are, who are doing things and unfortunately in the end of the day it's going to be the citizens of california that suffer with higher taxes um you know you you can't tell me that the humane society and PETA and these other groups don't know that the state then has to take over killing animals. Hmm. Like, like you, you do away with hunters and trappers. Okay. Animals, the, the management is just going to continue magically. No, it, it doesn't work that way. It's actually going to be more costly to the taxpayer. It's going to come at the detriment of conservation dollars, as we know, and really not, do nothing except assuage their, so-called concerns about this elimination of wildlife. And I wanted to speak to um, kind of what the methods we're seeing, because we know what ballot box biology is when you vote in these different initiatives. So what can we call this legislative process that is anti-science? Because um, overall, the, the black bear is probably one of the least concerned, according to the IUCN, 
Um, it's not anywhere near endangered. And according to California's figures, they similarly mirror what IUCN says about the black bear status. Missouri just, uh, their conservation department approved a black bear hunt, a very highly regulated, obviously, black bear hunt. So we saw some victories there. But it, it's just so strange that we see, yeah, because we we see overall, and without really steeping into politics as a whole, we do see, unfortunately, a lot of people say that they they speak to the science, but when it comes to wildlife conservation, obviously, their arguments are not rooted in science. It's more so emotion and pathos and all these kind of illusory, illusory uh, comparisons or, or arguments that they make that has nothing to do rooted in science. And I think it's going to be uh, problematic, especially in the case of California, um, when it happens with that. And I think I've seen pleas from their Department of Fish and Wildlife that they want more hunters. Um, so I don't know if they're fighting against this at all much. I know they have to kind of be nonpartisan, but I have no doubt if they're trying to now focus on recruiting hunters, they see this bill and, and how, how much monies come from bear hunting. Uh, I suspect they should be alarmed. Um, but for the longest time, I felt like the Fish and Wildlife Department there really didn't throw a bone to hunters. I never saw anything to market to hunters when I lived there and grew up there. I didn't know you could go hunting unless you were super wealthy or super connected. Um, maybe because I just was very limited in my exposure. I went fishing. Fishing was great in California, still is great. Um, but I, I, I wonder if there could be a lot of uh, implications that come with that. But has there been a lot of obviously coalescing of different hunting interests? I've seen a petition so far circulate. I've seen some of the different sportsmen's organizations uh, kind of sound the alarm of this. Uh, so what so far has been taken? And actually, when is this bill going to be heard? Do you guys know when it's going to be heard and, and how it would be decided? We we can never pinpoint exactly when a bill is going to be heard. Um, a perfect example was uh, Virginia Sunday hunting that you talked about earlier. Uh, the bill dropped, um, came up. Uh, we're doing our research, making phone calls, 5 p.m. that night. They put it on the calendar to go to a committee hearing. Um, we scrambled, made phone calls, did all we could to go to into the committee hearing. They called the vote and killed it. Um, sometimes you have, you know, they'll, they'll run the process. You know, my thought, my thoughts on Virginia are the same as yours is that was a done deal before the bill even got introduced. They said, well, here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to kill it and we'll be, we'll be done. In California's case, um, well, uh, uh, initially, we think it, it could have maybe a potential hearing in March, um, but it could be before that. Uh, with all the pressure uh, that we've been able to apply, they may want to get it in and out very quickly, or or they may want to wait and, and do it. But we we can never rely on, uh, unfortunately, what the politicians tell us. Uh, we've got to fight as soon as we can um, and continue to fight and try to kill these bills. And in the uh, on the flip side, if it's a bill that we're advocating for, it's the same thing. As soon as we as soon as we have the language, we know if it's good or bad, and we're engaging on it. Uh, we've got to do it right to right to the very end. I think the other problem that you kind of talked about, Gabby, was you know we've seen a lot of moves to do stuff legislatively, and you know game commissions not necessarily being. Um, um, willing to stand up and fight if you will unfortunately everything's turned political these days if 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 you're in a state where the governor um gets to a point um you're going to do whatever the governor says 
if you're if you're in a state that has lax commission rules on on who can be a member, you're going to wind up with folks that that might not have hunting, fishing, and trapping as their as their main priority. So um, it it all depends. It all depends on 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 where you are in the country, how your legislated how that how your legislator works, uh, legislative system works, um, how appointments are made, how your commission's made up. Um, you know, and, and you know, Brian and I talk all the time. It's like some states are really good. They have really good laws on who can serve on those commissions, what power and authority the governor has on his or her own. Um, in some states, it's really kind of up for interpretation. And unfortunately, um, some of the bigger states like California and New York, where, um, you know, hunting, fishing and trapping heritage has been there since beginning of time um, where you have a lot of individuals who like to participate in you know what our heritage is these politicians are circumventing the system and dropping legislation here and um, the antis uh, you know they get their ear and we just got to fight <laughs> and the the tough part about the fight thing especially with media and keeping people energized is I was kind of talking about this yesterday with somebody that it's a marathon with sprints. Like it comes in and you sprint, make a noise, and then it might go to committee and it might be a month or six weeks or something before it comes up again and you need to apply that pressure again. And so people get lax, they go back to life, they think the threat's gone, and then you're ramping it up again, trying to get it going. And the more often you have to do that, the harder it is to energize somebody to take that step to call or email or whatever. And so it's, it's a long process. It's a marathon, but there's a whole lot of sprints in between there that you have to run hard and fast at them and, and apply that pressure. So that gets very difficult from a marketing and communication standpoint, from a media standpoint, uh, on turnaround deadlines and everything else. <clears throat> You know, the individual legislators too, Gabby, um, you would think that, you know, Brian and I looking at, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pieces of legislation each year, fighting them with all the pieces of legislation, that would be difficult to remember, you know, specific legislators, this and that. I'm just going to throw it out there, right? There's an assemblywoman in New York named Linda Rosenthal, okay? She drops hundreds of bills each year typically dealing with uh, dogs, companion animals, changing stuff around. Um, she's got, <laughs> she's run a piece of legislation on African species the last couple of years. And the title of her bill, of the, of the bill she has, is the Big Five, African Big Five, right? She has, first of all, there's seven different kinds of species in there, and she's missing Cape Buffalo which is a big five. So these legislators don't even know what they're talking about when they write these bills. She's got big, big Africa five ban through ports of New Jersey and this, that, and the other thing. And you go and you look at the species that the big five aren't even on there. And there's four other different species on there. They have, you know, they just, they, they have their own little, niche, if you will, of the things that they're going to go after. And they literally just have staff write bills that they don't even do the research on. That's the scary part. If she would come out and say, this is a ban on big five coming into the state of New York and listed the Africa big five species. Okay. And did some research 
um, you know, fair fight, right? Like, okay, you did your research. Okay. We're going to beat you on the merits here. I mean, they don't even have the right stuff in the bills, but they just keep repeating it. They just keep introducing it, introducing it, introducing it. And that, that's the frustrating thing on my part is that the, that, that Americans who elect these people don't even do their own research to find out, is this person even know what they're doing? You, you know? Um, but I don't know. That's why we do what we do. I guess we deal with the frustration. But. A little bit to kind of federally what's on your guys's mind without so much uh, going in, wading into it too deeply. Do you think sportsmen are going to have a seat at the table I know some people may have had mixed feelings about the past administration, but from what I observed and having been on meetings, visiting the Department of Interior, I felt and I, I perceived that sportsmen and women did have a greater voice. Do you see that translating into the new administration? Do you foresee that sportsmen are not going to be equally as maybe consulted under this new administration? Is that something you guys are worried about? Um, have you tried to reach out to the new people at the agencies so far? Um, I'm very concerned. Um, the last administration from a, a sportsman's standpoint, um, uh, was very good. They would listen. Um, they did some, you know, created some new rules. Um, had the lower 48 D list, the wolves, which they've already, the antis have already filed and going to be lawsuits on that. Um, but the, my biggest concern, I guess, is, is that uh, Representative Grijalva is still going to chair um, uh, in the House. Um, and the new pick for Interior, um, they don't have a track record of ever really supporting us. Um, and they tend to, in their speeches and the legislation they're, they're putting out, they're blaming everything on the, they're blaming everything, including hunting and fishing and all that to climate change. Okay. And so my biggest concern is, is that it's going to go to, uh, um, I think any, any sort of discussion like that should be an EPA. Uh, that's just me personally, not in interior. Um, but I have a feeling that um, it's all, all the climate change stuff is going to be on interior and EPA, and they're just going to want to shut everything down. Basically, I think they're just going to say, we've got to shut everything down because we've got to find out, you know, what's causing, you know, whatever they claim is, is happening. Um, and I just don't think that they um, care about what we have to say. I think it's their way or the highway. So I'm, I'm very concerned um, that, on the rule side, um, on, on federal lawsuits that have to do with everything that, that we fight to protect is just not going to be a priority. It's just not going to, I just don't think they're going to want to have anything to do with it. They're just going to shut, shut it down and move forward with whatever it is they're trying to do. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's concerning, uh, how much is campaign trail talk and appealing to a base and how much will become truly policy uh, is hard to say. I guess that's the wait and see part. I mean, out of those whatever 40 executive orders that Biden signed on his first one or two days in office, uh, reversing or he doesn't actually have the power to 
actually change it. But uh, as Bruce and I were talking about last week uh, when it happened, uh, sign the executive orders and it is telling them, ordering them to look at it, look at the delisting of the wolves in the lower 48 and look at the Alaska rules change, which we were part of that lawsuit and then changing that back from the Obama administration's uh, rules changes. Um, so that's not promising, but it allows them to wave their flag and say, you know, appease to their base that they're doing something on this, whether how much they follow through or how much of a platform that becomes, we'll have to wait and see, but it's concerning that that's right at the top of the list, right off the bat. Um, yeah. We have that, you have the firearm stuff. You have uh, a whole lot of stuff and, and concerns that they don't seem real receptive to us, but wait and see. Yeah, I mean, you know, our good friend from Texas, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, has got uh, legislation out there uh, to register your ammunition, register your guns, um, have markings on the, I mean, they are um, the whole gamut, Second Amendment issues right on down to hunting, fishing, and trapping, um, you know, I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see a lot of fights at the federal level. Um, you know, some folks have asked me, you know, who, who you think's got the real power in DC now? And I think, I, to be honest with you, I think it's the Senator from West Virginia, Manchin, Murkowski, and um, Collins. Because everything's going to, the house is going to ram through whatever they want. They've got more than enough votes. It's going to come down to those three votes in the Senate, because if you have a tie, the vice president's obviously going to go with the way they want. So, you know, you, you ask me personally, I think those three are the, are going to be the most powerful folks here for at least for the first two years. Uh, Cause we'll have, you know, house, house elections in 22 um, and in your districts will be withdrawn. Um, but, far as the house of representatives go um we're gonna have a fight yeah although i am a little bit encouraged by the new ranking member i really like what i hear from congressman westerman he's a sportsman yeah he he's really keyed in on the issues and it's nice to have that um at the helm so if republicans were to take over i think it would be nice to have a sportsman leading the committee um, and I think he can appeal to a broad base of people, not just people in his own party. But it, it's refreshing we have that uh, kind of leading the counteroffensive to Representative Grijalva's uh, chairmanship. So it'll be interesting to see that, too. And I'm a little encouraged, like I said, by Westerman uh, chairing up that committee. But what do you guys, as I have you for a few more minutes, what do you recommend for people in terms of getting involved in the process? Obviously, with Sportsman's Alliance, what can people do? You take this one, Brian. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, support us, support partners like us that uh, are fighting at the state level and at the federal level. Um, but a lot of this comes down to media and marketing and, and, you know, making noise, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I mean, animal rights activists make up 5% or so of the population, and they get an out proportioned amount of ink and headlines and and reaction and it's because they're noisy it's because they make complaints that they call i mean as bad as the california thing is with the bears it is a little it's nice to see the response of people from california from other states i'm getting 
social media messages, I'm getting texts, I'm getting calls, I'm getting emails on what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? And that's great. That's what we need to have happen in all 50 states and at the federal level, everywhere. But it needs to happen before it becomes an outright ban, before they, we even get to that discussion point. Because if it takes an outright ban and not the elimination of hound hunting, the elimination of bait, the elimination of trapping, the, the elimination of these smaller niche practices, then we're, we're dead. You know, it, I, I've, I wrote a story on it before. Sportsmen, we're notorious. We're, we're not waiting for the wolf at the door. We're waiting until he's under our bed and choking us before we actually start fighting back. And so we need to be more politically active and put more pressure on them in any way we can and get good ink, you know, good, good op-eds, you know, we can help write an op-ed or proof an op-ed or whatever. Um, we, we need that countermeasure. I mean, just look at the tactics they use and employ them, but be judicious about it, use facts, use figures, use that emotion, but from the right standpoint. And, and, and just to piggyback on that, you know, one of the biggest challenges we have is is um, is everyone fighting for for all hunting, fishing, and trapping issues for too long. Um, you know, fighting a trapping ban. Maybe you call Whitetail or or someone else and say, "Hey, will you guys weigh in?" Well, that's not really my you know that's really not my thing. Um, what our community has has begun to do is is to rally around every little um challenge to our way of life because trapping may not be your issue right let's say again let's say your issue is um you know just black bear you just target black bear uh with with rifle okay and guess what happens when trapping's all gone they're picking a new method yep. right or a new passion so then they go after the bear hunters and the bear hunters are saying, well, we want your help. Well, on bear hunt's not really my thing. So you see what I'm saying is if you, even if you're just an angler, a recreational angler, you should be weighing in on the bear issue in California. I you mean, should be weighing in on the trapping issue in New Mexico. The Humane Society has said it. They've point blank said it, that they're going to take it species by species, method by method, yep. state by state. They point blank said that, and they're starting in California and they're moving out from there, species by species, method by method, state by state. And what Bruce just said about activating anglers is huge because there's 50 million anglers out there. If, if the anglers would start helping out, that's a huge political voice and block there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, incrementalism is a big problem like we've discussed before because they won't stop at one form of hunting. I suspect bear, bear bands are going to come to Virginia, um, although we have a very robust active system in place. And I think hun hunters and anglers do have to forge more relationships. We generally do. Uh, but gentlemen, it's been such a pleasure to catch up with you to hear about what's happening. I'm going to encourage people to connect with you guys and to also follow Sportsman's Alliance. But thanks again for coming. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Love being on. I hope you found this episode to be informative. Be sure to stay tuned for tomorrow's episode with Avian Klein, where we talk about kind of just the really good news out of California, my home state where she resides. Avine, if you guys may remember, 
works at Congressional Sportsman Foundation. They're one of the most preeminent bipartisan organizations based here in the Washington, D.C. area. She works out of California. It was breaking just before we had gone to recording that the bill was pulled by the sponsor, the San Francisco Democrat, who is aligned with the Humane Society. So that's a momentary victory for hunters. And we talked about how it was probably one of the rare times where different organizations, some that don't even focus on big game hunting or bear hunting, came together, put aside their differences, realized that any incremental ban on hunting could have very deleterious consequences and signed petitions, made their voices heard, and much more. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about 3030 and a few other things, federally speaking. We'll also talk about how people can get involved with the Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation. And on Friday, maybe I'll give a little bit more of a teaser as to who our special congressional guest is for Friday in tomorrow's episode with Avin. But for now, just know that they are a member of the House Natural Resources Committee and they're a new one, if, if you want a little hint there. But tomorrow, I will name drop who our special guest on Friday will be, special for my listeners here at the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you're liking the podcast, you're enjoying the guests I've been bringing on, make sure you follow us on your preferred podcasting platform. We're on a multitude of different podcasting platforms. Primarily, we're heard on Apple Podcasts, where about 60 to 61% of our audience hails from, which is awesome. We also have listeners on Overcast, Stitcher, and a few others that come in quite a distant second, third place. But we have many, many people from many platforms. So however you choose to listen to this podcast or any podcast, you're welcome to use your platform. But if you use Apple, make sure you leave us some reviews. Those go a very long way in signaling that we're reaching more people. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And if you feel inclined, send me your suggestions on who you'd like to hear on this podcast. Nominate yourself, nominate someone you work with, nominate someone who you find inspiring. Nominate a topic you'd like discussed here or a topic I may be overlooking. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for my episode with Avine Klein tomorrow, Wednesday, February 3rd.